Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 51. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my perky, lightning-fast, and hyper-intelligent guest co-host, Andrew Lindy. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> uh, what happens in this minute? Let's see. As they drink from the powerful mountain stream, the naturally occurring trickle of power coming out of the ground, Tron gets a vision from Alan One and gathers the troops to head out. Unfortunately, they drive right across the path of a tank that's looking for them. Dope! So, we're still inside the tank at the beginning of this minute, and we get this great shot of uh, the, 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 the two parts of it spinning around on their two different axes, on their two different axes. And uh, we get one of the occupants finishing the line from last minute saying, No sign of escaped units. Moving on to the next sector, while the cockpit spins and the ambient noise of the tanks rumble continues. I I wonder I, if um if uh if they're just doing like a visual reconnaissance or if this tank has some kind of scanning ability, you know? Yeah, I wonder too if they're just looking around with a periscope or if they're actually yeah. scanning with something. It makes me think that maybe the cave's walls are lined with something that hides them from sensors hmm. like lead or something like hmm. or whatever the equivalent would be in there because in this is it's the same in sark's carrier like he's in a big floating ship and he's got a big map of the maze but all he says is like they're probably in the canyons go back in there and take a look because mm-hmm. he knows they didn't come out but i don't think they can actually scan inside there that would make more sense Another thing that I noticed is that in these shots of the inside of the tank, there's no bits floating around. Hmm. You know, like in Clue's tank yeah. at the beginning, they had the bit floating around, and then later on in um, Flynn's Recognizer, there's a bit floating around. I mean, I don't know if they're like a... I know from a production side of things, it's probably like an expense. I imagine those bits were fairly expensive to put into the film and to have them fly around and be animated. Yeah, but I kind of got. The... Sorry, no, I I always thought that the the bit was like, uh, you know, Flynn and Clues thing. Like he somehow made it. I don't know. Yeah, but then I'm I'm wondering why it shows up in the recognizer later on in the movie. Like it's just part of the transmission. Yeah, you know, like you get a you get a bit, your vehicle gets a bit. Hmm. You know, and I I sort of. I would have I would have uh totally agreed with you if the only time we ever saw the bit was in Clue's tank at the beginning, but then we see it in the D- recognizer. And Flynn has no idea what it is. Flynn's like, What what who the what are you? I thought right? the bit you know? like recognizes him. <laughs> I now that I'm oh. saying it it sounds crazy. <laughs> no, now that you're uh, now that you're saying it 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 it, it, ex- it explains it. Like, it's almost like, because at the end, like when Clue's getting captured at the beginning, Mm -hmm. the, the bit hightails it. Yeah. Like Clue's like, get out of here. And the bit's like, yep, right you are, sir. Bye. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe it ended up in this junk pile in the recognizer. And then when it wakes up, he's like, hey, it's Clue. Mm -hmm. And Flynn's like, I'm, I don't know who you are or what you are, (laughs) but it has, it has no way of explaining 
but I recognize you from earlier in the movie because uh-huh. it doesn't have the... Yeah, okay. That's canon for me now. It's the same <laughs> bit from the beginning of the film. I'm I'm so glad my half-remembered bit of that was able to <laughs> make that canon. Because I, yeah, I never thought of it as like standard in the vehicles. But that kind of would have been neat. That would have been a neat idea. Well, yeah, because I'm not sure quite what a yes or no being floating around what like what their empirical use would be mm-hmm. but is there like if their yeses or nos are somehow absolute truth you know like mm-hmm. then that would be a very powerful thing to have around yeah like if it's operating with limited knowledge then it then whatever but if it's got like an almost uh pure you know it's got like a, a connection to something that's just it's yes or no is mm. definitive. So it could, you know, you could just ask it, are the conscripts in the canyon? And it would go, yes. Like, mm-hmm. Well, headed to the canyon. You know, something like that. That would be really yeah. useful to I, have inside and the, uh, Honestly, like, I think that would play more into the, like a fantasy element of like, this is like a magical fairy-like being, you yeah, know, or like a will of, will of the wisp or something. Yeah, it gets fully into magic territory at that mm-hmm. point for sure like a lying cat in saga or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it's a real, I don't know if you're familiar with the comic book saga, you know, you ever read that? No, it's really good. But there's a, there's a, there's a cat in it mm-hmm. that knows when anybody's lying. Oh, and it just, that's the only word it says is lying. <laughs> so whenever it, whenever it hears a lie, it just says lying. And mm-hmm. it's this big skinless or sorry, <laughs> skinless, <laughs> like a, like a How- furless, one of those furless cats. How know. horrifying would it be if there was a skinless cat, though? Yeah. Like, pet me, pet me. No. It oh rubs up against your leg, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, God. Another laundry, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrifying. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you'd think, yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah. So it's not like the bit is in the charger or in the glove compartment or something. That's what <laughs> I was. Okay. So we cut back to Flynn, Tron, and Ram at the grotto. Ram and Flynn are still lapping it up. That's what this is. It's a grotto. It's like a grotto. That makes sense to me because it's got a little pool in it. It's got Mm -hmm. caves. Um, Tron is lying on his back. As Flynn is dribbling water all over the place, Ram moves his identity disc over to catch the droplets for Flynn to drink later. Like, hey, man, don't waste it. Don't waste Mm -hmm. it, man. And Flynn takes the disc and gives Ram a nod and says, thank you. Although he sort of says, thank you. And I don't know, but this feels really improvised to me, this little movement. Like they're oh. just having a, a good time drinking water. And this is yeah. you know, take, take 46 and they're just helping each other out. It feels very natural, that whole sort of, that part. But but that mean, those two had to have been in that shot together. Yeah. Right? So because yeah, of that, is... that disc handoff. Yeah, this is one of those things where they're definitely in it. They're they're definitely in the scene at the same time, and I almost I would say that. I guess it's kind of hard to tell for sure, but I would say that probably Tron is, uh, or Bruce Boxleitner is also. Also in there, mm-hmm. uh, he he might not be, but they're all on similar planes. Yeah, when uh, when he when he sits up, and he mm-hmm. puts his hand out, and he's like, "Dudes, they don't really react until the shot, the close up of the both of them." So it's mm-hmm. possible that uh, that Bruce isn't in that shot. One thing is, uh, 
Like, is Dan Shore a dancer? Hmm. Because his posture in these lying down scenes is uh, is really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that I don't would, know. Or, that and, would kind of make sense if they if they cast a dancer for yeah for this because it is like I think more than anything this is kind of a physical role. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right, uh, and. It, when I, I went to his IMDb to check it out, and he's got he got his start after graduating high school in New York in the mid seventies, uh, with the lead role of Alan Strang in the first National Theatre's Company's production of Equus. Hmm. Now, do you, do you know? Are you familiar with Equus? Yeah, that's not a. That, I know it's not a musical. <laughs> that's what no, I know. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a musical, but it hmm. does require a lot of nudity. Uh, yeah, and well, and movement, right? Isn't there like a I, I thought there's like puppetry, right? Or sometimes for the oh, horse. Well, it's you do. It does involve horses, so I think you've got your choice of either having an actual horse on stage, which is highly ill-advised, or having a uh, like a, a mechanical horse of some kind. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they did it, but because the it was written in 1973, and so that means that I think this production that he was in was in 1975. So Equus was a, a pretty fresh pretty fresh play at the time mm-hmm. yeah because it's about a a 17 year old troubled youth who worships horses as a form of god yet is sexually attracted to them yeah and then he blinds six of them with a spike and gets arrested and then it's about his psychiatrist or whatever talking to him trying to find out why he would do such a thing i didn't know it got that big. dark i just remembered yeah. the the horse bit wow it's based on a, on the real life account of a boy who blinded like seven horses or six horses. And the oh playwright, God. Peter Schaefer, read about this story and was like, what the heck would make a 17-year-old boy do something like this? And so he wrote this play trying to explore why, like why such a thing would happen. So it's it goes uh, it goes pretty deep into like who are we and why do we do the things we do and what is happening here and so it's a pretty i imagine a pretty a pretty deep play i'm what i really remember about it was just that the the lead character gets buck naked mm-hmm. um, yeah i remember often. when that was in the news a couple years ago cuz wasn't it daniel radcliffe played yeah him? in 2007 yeah that's mm-hmm. right it had two stars from harry potter it had uh, daniel radcliffe and the guy that played uh, the father Dursley. Oh. His uh, his dad. He's a very famous British actor, and I can't mm-hmm. remember his name right now. I, th- I keep thinking Michael Gambino, but that's a different guy. No. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, and it was a big deal because at the time, uh, Daniel Radcliffe was 17. Oh. Like the character in the play, which is cool, but then... Yeah, getting uh, getting buck naked on stage was a pretty big deal for the Harry Potter at the time. I was like, oh, you're what now? You know, yeah, that's not I, very... I remember that was one of, you know, the, you, you see it with, uh, you know, child actors where they, they hit a certain age and they go, well, I have to do something to show that I am not a child actor anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, oh, like what's his face from uh, Third Rock from the Sun there? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right, he yeah. did that movie, The Reflecting Skin, or no, the something like that. Something the like that, yeah. Sky. 
where he plays like a you know a teen prostitute with mm-hmm. you know friends that got abused and stuff like that it's a really good movie but yeah that was that like okay time for a hard left i gotta show everybody i'm not just uh i don't know a rated g teen or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of right, what was it what was her name there from when harry met sally meg uh, ryan was, yeah what was it megan what meg is it meg ryan Meg Ryan, there you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah Meg Ryan, because she did a couple movies like that too. Hmm. Cause she got famous for being this like squeaky clean person, and then she took a couple roles where she was she was like deranged or she was uh, a little more sexual hmm. or something like that. Didn't quite take, but she she tried to do that too. Or Anne hmm. Hathaway, she did a movie like that where she was like a reformed addict who was home for the holidays. Oh yeah, that that movie's like not very good <laughs> no i, I, I remember concur. yeah yeah um there I wasn't uh, what was it uh uh jamie lee curtis back when halloween came out right i remember hearing this on a podcast that she she, she was sold you know the movie as like you're the main character you're not the you know main character's girlfriend or anything you are the main character this is your breakout hit and it like just didn't take and so she kind of had to she came you know like back to horror because she was like well i guess this is just what i do like it's it's interesting when when actors are like this is my, my this is my big break and it just does not quite go for them yeah well i mean uh, she ended up in uh what a fish called wanda and mm-hmm. uh trading places and a bunch oh, that of was a little ones. later yeah it took a bit yeah but yeah, yeah it's got to be strange for for an actor to or when they when they re- what are you saying? No, I just don't think that worked out with Daniel Radcliffe. He he tried to take this hard left, like you're saying, and it just everyone was like, "Okay, yeah, I I guess," but you're still Harry Potter to us. Well, sort of. I mean, he did that movie Horns, where mm-hmm. he's like, it was based on a comic book where he's in like a small midwestern town, and he ends up growing horns, mm-hmm. and uh, people are like, "So are you the Antichrist, or what's going on?" And he's like, "Well, I just no, I'm just growing horns," and he has well, a really it? good. American Wasn't he accent, in that, you know. um, what was that movie called? Swiss a, Army Man? Yes, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. I still haven't seen it, but the premise I, is just bonkers. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I just, I feel like he keeps trying these and it, no one's really, you know, taking him up on it. Well, I appreciate the effort. You know, I'm like, okay, Daniel, do it. Try to shake it off. Mm-hmm. But we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, but then Dan Shore went on to study at the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts in London and performed in a punk rock musical called The Sport of My Mad, Mad Mother. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't say anywhere that he's a a dancer specifically, but he looks like he's been in proper Broadway theater since high school, so he's probably in tip-top physical shape and knows a dance move or two hmm. as a result, I would say. Because those are some toned legs he's got going on there, <laughs> and he's got a real, a real poise like that crawl off the screen that he does at the mm-hmm. beginning of a uh, minute, you know, fifty. There is like, okay, this guy's been he knows his way around some choreography. So there's a there's a shimmering sound, and Tron rolls over, all intent and focused, as he holds out his hand to silence the sloppy drinkers, and he says, "I can feel it," very intently. 
and it's I like this take because Ram and Flynn both look up like, huh? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> what, what, what? You know, like, uh, and Flynn says, uh, "Feel what? Uh, you you okay?" You know, while Ram looks on, taking uh, takes his identity disc back, mm. and uh, Tron just stares at the water. He's really tripping balls here. He's really just he's really <laughs> looking at the water. And oh man, I want to go to this cave. I want to go <laughs> to a cave set like this. It looks really cool. And then mm-hmm. Tron says, "Alan won with a smoldering gaze." Mm-hmm. And Flynn and Ram are still looking at him like, "What?" Like <laughs> Ram almost looks a little hostile here. You know, he's like, "What is going on? <laughs> what is happening here?" And Flynn's got this great like like stunned caveman kind of look on his face. Like he's like, <laughs> I have, what is happening here? <laughs> he's just got like, he's like a, just mm. finished like a huge Thanksgiving dinner and he's in a meat coma or something, you know? Well, I, I also wonder if, are, are we meant to, you know, pick up that because of drinking this power water source, is that how, you know, Tron gains the energy to, to sense Alan? <laughs> like, that's unclear. Like, I think so. Like, Tron shouts, let's move out, and flares blue, really blue, as he stands mm-hmm. up and sprints away. And it's interesting to me because it's kind of coded as a religious vision, mm-hmm. you know, like a, like a burning bush or some kind of other divine communication from on high to a super faithful missionary man zealot type. Mm-hmm. Like, Tron is the most I fight for the user's warrior that exists, mm-hmm. and here he is getting vibes and messages from his personal god slash user without the benefit of an io tower Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess if that's the case then i guess that begs the question like why doesn't he just get hopped up on power juice and commune with alan one uh like right there Mm -hmm. you know why 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 does he need to go to an io tower now if this is an option yeah i i also think it it goes into if that is the case then what what is meant to be implied is alan at a computer trying to summon tron oh good question right or is the is has he like kind of left like a message for tron like it's 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 kind of an odd thing to think because of the i mean i'm, I'm sure you've mentioned before like there's there's a bit of a time dilation yeah where the the amount of time that flynn is in the in the programming space that he's in the computer doesn't exactly add up to the amount of time that passes outside. No. But it's it's not like, you know, you think of when you sit down at a computer and you summon your program, how many minutes yeah. does that take, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like I wonder if there's a if there's that kind of one-to-one thing happening because it looks like they go in around 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. or some kind of after hours moment in time at the at the laboratory there and then he seems to come out in the morning so it's sort of like he's in the computer in our time he's in the computer for about i don't know whatever eight or nine hours but in the Mm -hmm. in the movie here it's almost like he's in there for a day or two yeah so and then in the screenplay there's all this montage of him training for the games like days of training, training for the games, all the different uh, you know light cycles and ring games and stuff like mm-hmm. that before we sort of come back to uh, to him in the jail cell and the rest of the movie. So 
yeah, he's in there for quite a while. So it's like, is Alan saying, I want to speak to you. Mm -hmm. What's happening here? And then the journey to the IO tower, which takes the rest of the film for us in Tron's world. Does that only take like half a second out in the real world? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's odd. I don't know. And then the the other thing that I I always think is weird about this line is does is Alan you know with the number one is that that's just how he thinks of the user or is that some kind of username that Alan had to input? You know, like yeah, like I when think... you're signing when you're signing in, you're like you know I'm like Andrew two, you know, like I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, or like, uh, well, he's got group six access. Right, right. So we were talking about maybe that, does that, does that mean he's Alan six? You know, does that, would, mm-hmm. would that be more accurate or is he, yeah, is he the first Alan that ever got hired at NCOM and so he's just Alan one? Alan one, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Like, or, or is that just a designation for users? Are all users, do they all have a one? Because that's sort of like, uh, you know, there is, it sort of falls like there is one God, you know, there is mm-hmm. this kind of like mm-hmm. one, one thing happening. Like all the programs are probably Joe 236, yeah, Joe 838, but all the users are like David one, Duncan one, Andrew one, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. Hard to say, but he's called Alan one. And I guess that's just to keep him from going, Al, it's Al. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he has to be Alan one. There has to be something computery about it. Yeah. I, I especially think, wasn't it in the, I can't remember if it was the last minute or the minute before. I mean, Flynn just calls him Alan. And that's, I, I think yeah. that is meant to differentiate. Like the programs think of people as they call them users. And then to use yeah. a user's name is so like out of, out of their ability that they have to say a number. Like it's like, yeah. he, he is the number one, Alan one. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think you're, you've got the nail on the head right there, for sure. Mm-hmm. This whole scene kind of also reminds me of, um, I don't know, like hermits going into the desert and fasting to mm-hmm. like get visions. Or those uh, tribes would like send out their youths on like hallucinogenic trips as like a mm-hmm. rite of passage to manhood, you know, or something like that. Like you're off in the wilds. There's this naturally occurring thing that heightens your senses like magic mushrooms yeah or, it is know. like a vision quest is that kind of what they i've heard that's yeah that's right that's what yeah that's yeah. what they're that's what they're Th- this to has yeah. that feeling of a vision quest of you know they they they're out on their own they find a naturally occurring water source that yeah that gives gives them you know a little a little something extra yeah and that sort of that sort of calls into question i think that really calls into question Tron's uh, vision, for lack of a better word here, where he's hearing Alan's voice, you Mm -hmm. know, like, because I think there's a lot of, you know, like, there's a lot of stories in the Bible where where people are hearing voices. And it's Mm -hmm. attributed to, uh, to, to God talking down to the faithful. But it's also... You know, there's a lot, there's some schools of thought that are like, well, that's also very much describing uh, symptoms of mental illness. Yeah, hallucinations or... Yeah, yeah. if you're just hearing imaginary people telling you to do things, like, you know, 
what's happening there exactly. So like, like if I was in a movie theater and uh, my friend started hearing the voice of God, I'd be pretty freaked out. I'd be more concerned for his well-being than convinced mm-hmm. that the the Almighty was revealing himself to him. So like, I don't know, there's a whole, that's, that's a whole other can of worms. But the fact that the, it's like Tron is a true believer who's hopped up on power juice having a vision in a cave. Yep. And his buddies, I think, aren't entirely on board. Although I think Ram's like, okay, sounds good. Look, he got a message from the user. Let's go. And uh-huh. Flynn's like, I'm really enjoying this uh, power juice here. But <laughs> I think there is a moment where they're both a little dubious. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah. If if anything, Flynn should be more on board only because I, I think he recognizes that Tron is pretty powerful. Yeah. Like he knows that his friend made this program and he's like, if I stick with this guy, maybe I can get to where I'm trying to go. Maybe there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. And plus he knows, right? Mm-hmm. He knows like Ram can have his moment of doubt of like, are the users there? Like, why have they forsaken us? You know, are they real? But you know, Flynn's like, Oh no, I, uh, I am a user. And I was talking to one the other day and yeah. you got, you got a message. Okay. Saddle up. Let's get out of here. You're out. He should be a lot more on board than Ram is, but it's kind of the mm-hmm. other way around. Uh, are you familiar with one thing that this just brought to mind? Um, are you familiar with Plato's cave? Oh, the allegory of the cave. Yeah, the allegory of the cave. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this just kind of reminded me of uh, of that. Like, you know, it's like if you're... If you've just seen like shadows the, your whole if life. Just, you, yeah. If, yeah. If, you're chained, if you've chained to a wall and all you've got is the other wall of the cave to look at mm-hmm. and that's your reality, then the philosopher is somebody who's gone outside and come back saying, I'm aware of a whole other world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, and and so that's, I mean, that's kind of like the Matrix, you know, but it's also kind of like Tron here as well. Yeah, it play. I mean, it also, at least in, in respect to Tron and what's going on here, it plays into like Hero's journey of like, you know, oh, you, yeah. have to, you cross over into a different world, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, or like Wizard of Oz, there's a lot of comparisons to Wizard of Oz that people mm-hmm. have been making here as well. Almost like 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 almost one to one you know like uh like dan shore is the scarecrow and uh <laughs> you know like there's a there's a full-on you know or like yeah yori is uh i don't know if she'd be dorothy i guess flynn would be dorothy i don't yeah, know flynn's whatever. dorothy <laughs> flynn's dorothy right she's she's um what maybe the lion the tin, the tin man or the cowardly lion i'm not sure yeah Hard to say. And then the MCP is like the wizard or I don't know, whatever, because he gets revealed to just be a chess program. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the interesting things that I liked about the Plato's cave analogy is that once you get freed from the cave and you go outside, you still can't comprehend what you're seeing. Yeah. Like the cave was uncomprehensible to you, but now you're in a, a huge room with a sun in the sky and you're still like, okay, cool. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. like all we've got is the evidence of our senses. And so there's a bit of that when Flynn gets transferred into this world, he's like, okay, I can feel pain and time seems to be passing in a linear fashion. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe this is all fake, but I have to go with the fact that it's probably really happening for now. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something that goes through his mind. Okay. Well, anyway, there you go. Flynn and Tron share, <laughs> you know, Flynn and Tron share a look before going back for a last guzzle of life-giving raw power. Ram fills up his disc again, and Flynn gets two sloppy handfuls of water before leaning forward and just straight up putting his face into the water and <laughs> drinking it straight from the stream. Um, Ram pours the dregs from his disc back into the stream, which I found a little hard to believe. <laughs> and uh but then he says come on flint put a cork in it before jogging off like flint rams really able to just yep here we go i i kind of um, don't like that he says put a cork in it well yeah because it's kind of like in the first place he was the one who kind of was like flint come on have a sip uh-huh and now and flint was into it and uh and now he's like okay flint put a cork in it it does I seem d- kind of Mean, it feels like a line uh, that that Flynn would say. Yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't feel like something Ram would say. That's that's Gosh, just you're... that's my biggest problem with it. Yeah, it goes into your earlier point about how Flynn would be more on board than Ram because well, and Flynn just also like going on put put a cork in it. Just feels like a like a a thing Flynn would say. Like out in the real world, he would just you know someone would be yapping at him. He'd say, "I'll oh, put a cork in it." Like just. <laughs> The way yeah, that we know, think. like, Ram feels like he's the character who doesn't always want to speak up. Like, it, maybe yeah. he wants, you know, he's he's the comic relief. So this is, maybe they thought, oh, here's a funny line. Yeah. I just think it's it's not, you know, authentic to whatever little yeah. bit of character that we have. Like, he's the comic relief, but he's also, he's kind of a hard one to parse because he's also slightly cowardly. Mm-hmm. But not like... Uh, but he's still a decent warrior and he's still really good at playing the games, you know, but he's kind of above it all. He's kind of not above it all, but he's kind of chosen to laugh at the horror of what's happening, you know? So he's kind of got this light, this light, uh, this light air about him. I think that plays into, that's like his survival technique. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's about survival. Like he's not about, Yeah. 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 He's not a Tron. He's not, he's not out to like, triumph he's out to survive mm-hmm. yeah i really i really agree with that but yeah also put a cork in it is like so you have bottles with corks in this world yeah then then that you start thinking about that i mean maybe he it, would have known about corks and bottles from his programming um yeah maybe it's kind of it's interesting because there's a bunch of other attempts at computer slang in this mm-hmm. in this movie like there's you know, oh, there's nothing but cold circuits out there. Or, uh, you know, if I don't get some random access soon, I'm going to lose it. You know, like there's all these, all these sort of, oh yeah, oh yeah, what is it? Crom says in the beginning, oh, the MCP laying down all these rules. Who does he calculate he is? You know, yeah, like, uh-huh, uh, little, uh-huh. like things like that. So you'd think there would have been something here for. He could like, have said like, oh, zero out or whatever. Yeah, zero out <laughs> or stop program or, you know, uh-huh. yeah. Right, you cycle down your cycles, or I don't know. There, something yeah, like there that. you go. <laughs> so, anyway, what's interesting is sort of in the in the 
in the creator's commentary is they talk about how they had to decide if they wanted the liquid to be water or if they wanted it to look like paint or milk or something uh, opaque or translucent or something like that. Like, I'm really glad they didn't go with colored milk because I mm-hmm. can't imagine that it would last too long under the studio lights before going bad in those like well, 50 gallon tanks. And I'd have to imagine that they'd again draw comparisons to Star Wars. Oh, because of the blue milk or the green the green milk that he uh, Luke drank in uh, one of the original films. Oh, yeah. Okay. He has a. <coughs> I remember reading a a quote where someone asked him, "Oh, what was that like, Mark Hamill?" And yeah. he's like, "Oh, it was." He was like, "It was horrible. Like all all that you're seeing on the screen is me acting because you know he takes a big old gulp. You know, young there's young Mark Hamill taking a big old gulp of this." <laughs> disgusting drink he's like it was i can't remember what it was but it was some kind of like health shake because they had to get that color right and the consistency broccoli uh, broccoli smoothie or something yeah he was like it was really bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure oh yeah because they got to drink it all Mm. so if it was sour milk at that point and they have to fake like they like it it would just reek up the studio and also like we were talking before if those suits were absorbent at all yeah Oh god! Right, then they would they would be the suffused suffused yeah. with milk that would turn into like this pasty film and and harden. Oh, it's gross! It's so gross what milk does. I remember I was in a a short comedy sketch where I had to pour milk on my head. Oh no! And we we filmed it in our backyard in November, and I was oh. wearing like a a hospital smock, and I had like long hair. So we did like five takes of it, and then they would tidy me up and then do another take and then tidy me up. But like by the end it was it was it was cold out and my body was covered in milk and I was it it hardened into a film like over my entire body, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like We are done. Get me out of here. Like as soon as we were like, That's a wrap, I was in the <laughs> shower for like two hours. It was so I had no idea milk would like harden and film over like that. So I'm really glad they went with water. but i get where they're i get where they're coming from because they have that's a that's a production decision they have to make uh both practically and aesthetically at the beginning because the energy drink that clue drinks at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. is like uh opaque yellow Mm -hmm. this is glowing opaque yellow so i imagine they were probably hoping to go with something like that when they had when they were envisioning this scene for this sequence But they ended up going with water, which was, I think, a better decision for everybody. But it yeah. would have been neat if this was like a bright, glowing neon yellow. That would have been a pretty wild scene. Mm-hmm. I can picture it, right? You know, but that would have been hard to, uh, hard to make happen without it looking super dated. Yeah. Right. You get a lot. You get a lot of animation for free if you're using actual water. But if they had to <laughs> sort of hand animate some uh, some glowing yellow stuff, that would have been. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been a hundred percent. Anyway, Flynn says one second before going back for one more step and then standing up, and he's got the he's got the best Jeff Bridges uh, yell, shriek, sigh of frustration or relief or whatever before skipping over to the pool to uh, to join his to join his buddies over there. Yeah, I, I like that leap that he does. Yeah, such a great leap across there, and he does that. <sighs> it's wonderful. <laughs> It's hard to it's hard to capture, but it's so Jeff Bridges. It's just so Jeff Bridges. Now, I have a theory. 
Okay. Now, in Tron Legacy, the isomorphic algorithms, or ISOs, were naturally occurring programs that just showed up walking out of the wilds of the grid one day, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bio-digital jazz, as older Flynn calls them now. Mm. I'm not a digital biologist, but here we have a user in the grid for the very first time dipping his hands and face and unique cell structures into a sort of a primordial ooze hmm. along with Ram's identity disk and Tron's white-hot drive and holy connection to his user. Mm -hmm. And they're all putting their hands in this little pool of water. And I think those three things are a unique combo that's never happened before. Mm -hmm. And particles from their bodies are now in that pool, coalescing and combining. And time passes faster in the computer world. Mm -hmm. So I think we might be watching the genesis of the ISOs here. That's that's actually really good. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I definitely think at least, yeah, because the, the there's never been a user... So the at least his you know his contribution to it for sure, yeah for sure, yeah I'm that is really interesting because then you have to think because the Tron Legacy establishes that the the grid he closes it off right like it's yeah he keeps it kind of separate from everything else so that if there is no nothing else that can interact with it no other outside influence yeah something something like that could could happen. Mm -hmm. And that he gets, you know, he's been beamed in there. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, that's neat. I, I almost wish that they would have made that explicit in the, in Tron Legacy. It feels like canon, right? To, to, to. Yeah. What, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh man, okay. Cause I mean, that's it is, of, it's, it's already fascinating enough that it's like they're, you know, quote unquote, naturally occurring within yeah. the grid. Yeah. Uh, but if, of course, you know, an origin like that that is tied into the original is yeah. so is so interesting so like it adds a layer to it of like your your actions have this reaction and now yeah. you are trying to understand it but you don't even understand that you did it years ago yeah mm -hmm. it might be something that would they could possibly refer to in tron 3 or something because i don't i don't uh in a way it kind of robs them of wonder Mm -hmm. If we're just saying, oh, it was all Flynn's fault again, you know, mm -hmm. like that's uh, that seems like it kind of kind of pulls the rug out from underneath them because the idea that was my favorite one of my favorite parts of Legacy was just the idea of naturally occurring programs is fascinating, is wild, mm -hmm. you know. But this could be the uh, yeah the origin of them. Okay, well, good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you like that theory because then we're. Yeah, then we I'm kinda, on board. <laughs> we traded off because I kind of. I like. I loved your earlier theory about the bits. So we've kind of. Mm -hmm. We've like. I'm like. Oh, cool. Right on. And we get a shot of the light cycles going around the cliff edges again. Uh, the camera starts in a canyon, looking down the length of it, and then whips around, looking down at the other end of the canyon. There's a few bridges and cracks in the canyon walls that lead to ledges. And the cycles come out of a cave entrance and turn a corner. They kind of pop onto the screen. They don't. Uh, they don't come out. They just kind of like flink. They just kind of turn on. And I think that mm. was probably uh, just a limitation of the system that was being used to animate at the time. And they're moving pretty slow. But I guess my question is, where'd they come from? Right? Because yeah, they're, did, they're... they just like parked their light cycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we see them leave their light cycles and all of their light sticks or whatever uh disappear they disintegrate they just pop 
out of existence in a little burst mm. of light. And uh, they're issued by the MCP, right? So they didn't keep the bike sticks like in Legacy. So mm. I don't know. I mean, there's no time for wondering. Like, it's like, okay, well, yeah, so what? <laughs> you know, here we get, <laughs> yeah. we get some more sweet light cycles and the chase begins. So, I mean, mm. I guess it doesn't really matter. But it all it almost makes me wonder if there was an, if this, if the minutes coming up were originally before. Oh, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Hmm. So I don't know not sure what happens there i i do like the the um it's it's very much like a an action movie idea is like they come around that corner and they pass the little entryway that the tank comes out of that's coming after them it's like oh they they were just in time to get going you know (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it's like yeah there's not a 10 minute sequence of them just driving around doing nothing it's like oh geez oh geez there's a tank right there oh boy Uh (laughs) uh-huh And we get three of those sweet um, shots of like through the canopy of the light cycle close-ups mm-hmm. again. At first at Tron, who looks back at Flynn, then a shot of Flynn smiling his uh, high on power juice face off. <laughs> He's just like <laughs> cackling. And then at Ram, who's got that cold, glassy, wide-eyed stare of a of another sort of high high person, you know, and they're driving. I just, I just think they shouldn't be light cycling under the influence. You know, I just think it's a... <laughs> Seems like a Maybe it en- enhances their reaction times. Uh, their reflexes are probably off the scale, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. they could, could probably overreact to quit. It's like, uh-huh. I just saw a fly. Oh, God, look out. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Anyway, they pass a wide, yeah, they pass a wide cave mouth or a wall crack or whatever. And then, uh-oh, a tank just drives right out into the open, almost colliding with them. And I I think this is the tank that's been pursuing them, but we'll have to find that out in the next uh, in the next minute. Yeah. Or even if it isn't that same tank, it's it's a tank, which is bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go over the differences between the screenplay and the novel a little bit, in the novel it's pretty much the same, except they do mention that they still have the handlebars from the light cycles on their persons. Yeah, that makes sense. And that the natural power flowing through the cave is what allows them to fire up their bikes again. Oh. Right? Huh. Like, they're off the grid. The light cycles have been derezzed. And so they're, they're, the game is over, you know? So, like, mm. yeah, there's no, uh, there's no reason for them or pa- power for them to turn them back on again. But, yeah, now that they're in this naturally occurring power conduit, they can do it, which... Huh. I think I would I would have liked like I wonder if that ended up on the cutting room floor or something or they didn't have time because I really would have liked to have seen that scene. Yeah, I wonder if they were worried that the that already this sequence was so odd for viewers that they just wouldn't even, you know, a normal viewer wouldn't even care about, oh, the water powers their cycles, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. It could have been just I, yeah another layer huh. of complexity, and they're already trying to introduce the viewer to something else. So yeah, because I mean, I I know it's later in the movie, right? Where where um where Flynn touches the recognizer and gets it going, and yeah. it's like oh, only users can do that. I want I wondered if they were trying to avoid something like that here, the reveal here, right. where he could make the light cycle power up because he's a user. Yeah, you're probably right. They probably were like, "Oh, we got to avoid that for that reveal later." Yeah, because I can see them. I can see them taking out their their light sticks, swishing them in the water, having their light stick lights go from 
you know, red to green or whatever as they power mm-hmm. up. And then they fire. I, basically, I just wanted another light cycle firing up scene. <laughs> I yeah. just love, oh, I yeah. love the, the shots of them as the bikes forming around them as they, as they peel out. That would have been, I just wanted one more of those scenes, really, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. But I never get tired of those scenes. Uh, in the screenplay, they have another interesting change in order. Uh, Tron gets his message from Alan One while they're up on the parapet looking out over the vista before they start mm. drinking the power water. So it was like Flynn talks about attacking the MCP after they've drank the water, but Alan gets his message before they drank the water. And I like huh. that they sort of switched those two. Yeah. Because then Flynn attacking the MCP is like a sober idea that he has, but then mm-hmm. uh, Tron's vision is a bit more unflu- under the influence. I think that sort of <laughs> it makes sense uh, yeah. to switch those around, or not not under the influence, but jacked up on pure power. So he's got he's become <laughs> a, a stronger antenna to receive a message from Alan. He like could have said, "Now you're playing with power. <laughs> now you're playing with power." <laughs> that would have been right around the same era, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that takes us to the end of minute 51 there. <laughs> yeah. It's been great talking to you, Andrew. It's been wonderful having you back. Thanks for coming back. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a real fun one. <laughs> it is. I'm Tron, looking forward. Tron just has so much going on, that, and, and it's such a different little world. Yeah. It's it's nice. <laughs> it's truly yeah, it's truly unique. It's been wonderful exploring it. Uh do you want to tell listeners where they can um find you? Uh yes, I'll give you the full the full list of podcasts now. The full rundown. Uh yeah. yeah. Uh so for, formal formerly uh I did the Super Mario Brothers minute uh which was uh minute by minute on the 1993 Super Mario Brothers film. Uh we finished all of that my co-host and I. So we moved on to of course the next film that you would move on to in that series is Dunstan Checks In. That's right, the 1996 ape film. Right. Uh, so we're we're in the middle of that uh currently. Uh so go go check that out. Dunstan Checks Men. Uh those are both on the Benview Network, which is my podcast network, as well as Nothing New, a remake podcast. Uh that is every month uh, my co-host and I talk about a film and it's remake, or if two films are based on the same source, there, there's a lot of different ones like that out right now. So uh, we're we're really uh, having a fun time. Pretty much every month, it's something new, uh, <laughs> something new instead of nothing new. Pretty much every <laughs> month, there's a there's a new release that we can just dive right into and compare to whatever past version that has existed of it. Uh, and uh, another podcast that I do is called "It's on My List." Uh, you can find that it's it's on my list pod.com. It's uh, myself and five others get together and talk about movies that people say you should see. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because we put we compiled all of us put our heads together and we made a list of like 120 movies of movies that we haven't seen and te- people tell us to see and that we have seen and we tell other people to see. And a movie that made that list is Tron Legacy. So. Oh, awesome. That's, yeah. Not the original Tron, but Tron Legacy made the list, which I think is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, the, uh, hey, at least there's some representation there. Yeah, you uh, think so, it would be the other way around, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you can check all those out, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. Awesome. 
And if you want to get in touch with us, take a look at Tronologically Speaking anywhere you want, tronologicallyspeaking.com, tronologicallyspeaking on Twitter, or email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com, or go to the Facebook Tronologically Speaking Minute-by-Minute listeners page. Um, And if you want to listen to other Movies by Minute podcasts, go over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. Maybe start with the Star Wars Minute that started it all. They're covering a lot of ground right now. And uh, if your favorite movie isn't there, consider doing one of these podcasts yourself because it's a tremendous amount of fun. It's a lot of effort, but it's a lot of fun. All right, Andrew, do you want to do a little uh, end of line on three? Yep. All right, one, two, three. End End of of line. line. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) 